Today on Keep Classical Weird, we talk about the weirdest classical instrument I could think of, the classical saxophone. A lot of what happens, and this does happen often, the comment that we get after a concert is, I didn't know the saxophone could sound like that. Welcome, friends, to episode 20 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozal, and today we have a wonderful interview lined up to explore the world of the classical saxophone. I'll be speaking with Javier Oviedo, director of the Classical Saxophone Project. But first, to make sure we're all on the same page with this subject, I think we should explore the history of this instrument just a little bit. It's a baby instrument in the world of classical music. The inventor of the saxophone, Adolf Sax, was a Belgian musician who created the instrument around 1840. That's well into the Romantic era. And for scale, Beethoven died 13 years before this. It had a few amazing applications in the symphonic world, notably in Ravel's Bolero. Check out episode six for a discussion on that awesome piece and a fantastically macabre line in Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet. These came about in the first few decades of the 20th century. But the evolution of music in the 20s and 30s was also when jazz exploded. The saxophone, being a really nimble instrument with a unique tone, made it blend in a superb way with brass, percussion, and bass. It was a natural fit into a big band atmosphere and easily stands on its own in smaller jazz combos. This is its most common application in modern times. After all, we weren't seeing Bill Clinton bust out the Glazunov concerto on Arsenio Hall. However, the sound of classical saxophone is something that never disappeared. And while it's rarer to find in a typical symphony orchestra concert, there are musicians who are dedicated to education and commissions for this instrument, making it a fast-growing genre. Well, my name is Javier Oviedo, and I am the executive director and co-founder of the Classical Saxophone Project, which is based in New York City. We have just passed our 10-year milestone last year, and so we are looking for the future, looking towards the future to see where things can go. Javier is so enthusiastic about his instrument. He connects to it, he sees the versatility, potential, and general fun in performing it. So his position as director of the Classical Saxophone Project is a perfect fit. His journey to the saxophone included a few other musical stops along the way. I actually started on the organ. (laughs) On the organ? (laughs) Yes. Back in the day, at a shopping mall, in fact, I was probably, I don't know, seven years old. There was a piano and organ shop. And there was a gentleman who used to play to attract people and customers. And I was one of these just transfixed by this. I was just impressed by this so much. And I begged my parents if I could take some lessons. I always loved music class in school, you know, the, the singing and, you know, just that we didn't really learning theory or anything like that, but we were just singing and I loved that. So the performing aspect was already there. So I, I asked my parents if I could learn. I have a, you know, I had a brother and sister. So of course, if I get something, they have to get something. And we're not a rich family. So they agreed. And I was taking half hour lessons on the organ, you know, those old Hammonds with the, with the pull tabs. Then I segued a little bit into the piano because I figured, well, I should maybe learn 
a little more piano. I wasn't really friends with the piano, oh, really? <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. About the fifth grade, and they still do that now, you are taken usually to, in, in the public schools, you're taken to sort of an instrument zoo mm-hmm. at your, what would be your junior high, your next level. And we went, I went to that and I tried out some instruments and I was playing some like the flutes and the clarinets. I was looking at those. My father actually was leaning toward the saxophone, not because he cared for the saxophone, but because it was a cheaper instrument. It was a it was a used instrument. And again, you know, he has a family that he has to try to raise. And, and there's two other kids who need to, if I get something, they get something. Mm-hmm. So can't spend a fortune on these things. And those, the instruments I was looking at were new. So he said, why don't you play this one? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And kind of went with it. But the idea is that, I, you know, I wish I had a story like Jacqueline Dupre, you know, who heard it <laughs> when she was four and on the radio and you know that was that was it now I don't have that story but I was very lucky though because my first who became my band director the gentleman who became my band director was a saxophonist and so I was able to get a little extra help from him and 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 I did take to it very quickly so I think he saw that and he would talk to my folks about things like taking private lessons about you know this kid has some talent we should we should do something and you know Let's, I'll try to work with you. And he was very good about that. Cool. Um, he was an educator all the way to the end of his life. He was, he, became, he was decorated by the state of Texas. I mean, he was, he was the real deal. Most saxophone players are able to technically get around on all four of the main instruments in the saxophone family. That's soprano, alto, tenor, and baritone. But they usually specialize in one or two, given their preference, skills, and sometimes their personality. I'm primarily alto and soprano. Okay. Um, generally, when you, you, I mean, you can play all of them. It is, and many of us do, and I do. Uh, but there's a place, I think it goes with your personality. I mean, it really, there's, you, you kind of lean towards something. You know, I had a dear friend in college who was the most phenomenal baritone player I've ever heard, and he had the right personality for it. He was very type A and just, you know, you have to have a solid bass. And that was him, you know. Me, I'm much more of the, the dreamer, the little, the bird. So, the soprano works for me, <laughs> but you're. And, but usually, when you're trained as a, as a young person, it's alto or tenor. Tenor is usually for the bigger kids because I mean, it's a big in, it's a big instrument. It is an alto and tenor are like if you were to you know find a clip art of saxophone, mm-hmm. you would see a picture of one of those. Oh yeah, they're right? definitely like, a difference. Oh yeah, there's definitely a difference in size. Well, you know, there's we have the four core instruments, mm-hmm. you know, the SATB. But then you have the auxiliaries or, or all the stuff that just came. And then you have all the fun ones that just, you know, were in, invented just to invent something. And actually, there's a gentleman out here, uh, Dr. Paul Cohen. He's probably the foremost historian on saxophone in the world, I would say. I mean, he has, he lives in New Jersey. I actually play a, a lot of times with his ensemble at the Manhattan School of Music. And he has all the toys. I mean, all the toys. There's actually a video on YouTube of the army band saxophone section. They go to his house and they get to play on these things. So I actually got to go one time. It's just a carnival. I love it. And there's stuff in there. They're like, what is this thing? Why did they make this thing? You know, a slide sax. I mean, this has got a slide on it. It sounds like a giant tin whistle. It's awesome. There's a thing on there that I would, I told him I would bang him over the head for. It's a, it's a, it's called a Kano sax. It was Invent, it was made in the late 20s. There aren't that many in existence anymore. He has two of them. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Give me one. Yeah, um, seriously. It's so beautiful. It's, 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 it, they say, the advertising says, 
it plays like a sax. It sounds like a, an English horn. It looks like a hecklephone. And that's what it looks like. It's got the bulb. It's got that shape. But it play, it's a mouthpiece and a saxophone fingering. And I got to play a few notes on it. It's just, ah, oh, it's so cool. I want it. It's even an F. It's even pitched an F. So you're like, well, what can I do with this? It's like <laughs> so, a French horn. What the heck? I know. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I said, I want it. Because I said, all that box stuff, I want it for that. I figured at some point that Javier would have to decide between the jazz and classical forks in the road when it came to saxophone education. So I asked him if that point ever came. Actually, no, not for me, because um, I love jazz. And this is no nudge to my colleagues. Um, I just don't play it. I don't feel it enough. It's not in my in my making. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. something that I I prefer. That it's not my taste. I prefer classical music. I I was I I have I do have another story when I was young, and it's and I do attribute this to my my aunt who was the one who wanted to be more cultural. Mm-hmm. So she would take us to the ballet. We would go to the, the Nutcracker, of course. You know, this is South Texas. And in those days, you know, it was hard to find culture in the neck of the woods. So the Nutcracker came every Christmas time, of course, like everywhere else. And I'm probably 10 years old and I'm in the in the hall. Look, I can see right into the pit. And I'm, you know, you know that the, that, that overture starts off very softly while people are still talking. And I'm 10 years old going you know, shushing everybody because they're playing. It's time to start. What are you doing? You know, so that was, that kind of music was already instilled in me very, at a very young age. I, me personally, I mean, I love the complexity of it. I love the color and the, and the, and the, the layers and the textures that you can, that really happen. I'm sure it happens in other styles of music. I just don't know them well enough to hear it. And so I'm very amateur. I would say if I were to, if I were asked to talk about R&B or, or jazz or things. I, I'm very amateur about that. But I, I feel that since I was connected, I felt connected much more to this style of music early on. I feel I can express it more. I can talk about it more. For me, I mean, the, the range of emotion and the range of, of everything, really. I mean, uh, listen to a Mahler symphony, you know, or listen to even a Mozart symphony. You know, there's so much happening in there this is what i try to get with my students when i because you know they may not know a lot of this stuff and i just say look what does it make you feel like just what does it make you feel like the classical saxophone project is a group focused on education outreach composition and performance they're really doing a lot to get the word out about this instrument we have a, a program that that is actually very popular here we call it saxophone 101 which is an hour-long program i i talk because I can talk uh, <laughs> about the history of the instrument. Is it's actually very interesting? The whole story with Madame Hall, this woman from Boston, uh, the inventor himself, Adolf Sachs. Uh, there's a lot of fun anecdotes and stories, and then we punctuate it with light music with our, with a live orchestra. We have a live uh, chamber ensemble, and uh, then there's a Q and A at the end, which is very enlightening because people want to know. They just don't. Nobody asks them, right? right? I think they. I think people don't ask about, let's say, the piano or the violin because they think they know it. Mm-hmm. I, I just think um, my instrument. Here I am doing something that they're not used to hearing. One and and they want to know something. So when I'm talking, and, and we're talking simple questions like, why is it shaped like that? And so I kind of find a way to talk about why. Well, if it weren't, it would go through the floor. You know, just <laughs> little things like that. And it's not meant to embarrass them. It's just. Well, you didn't know. <laughs> so totally. I think that's what I love is showing the capability and the versatility and the different facets of the instrument, not mm-hmm. contrary to what you 
know already or what you think you know and what you're used to, what you're expecting. And that leads me to actually this funny story. Years ago, when I, f- I had a recital at Carnegie Hall and we had a very difficult program. I mean, I, I think I had more stamina in those days. I think I got like, I can't do that anymore. It's too much. It's too long for that. I'm too old. But <laughs> that included a piece that was half an hour long, very avant-garde with all kinds of noises and stuff with a singer and who's singing atonal. I mean, it's, it was out there. But this piece actually is called Hamlet. And it was the nine soliloquies of Hamlet sort of realized in this in for three people. And, and so sorry, after the people are singers, singer, saxophone. sax and piano, a piano. Thank you. Yeah. So after the after the concert, there was a couple that came up. I never met them before. They had seen the poster outside and they the husband happens to be a great fan of the sax. The wife is a great fan of literature. So they were both. They saw that she saw Hamlet. He saw sax. They both came in. They both really I don't think the guy liked the Hamlet that much, but he loved the sax and he was, but they, but they were kind of arguing with each other about what they liked more, what they, what they thought. And I said, oh no, that one was much better. You know, that kind of, I love that. And they were arguing right in front of me. I said, okay, I'm going to go say hi to these people. (laughs) I love playing as a soloist. I love premiering something new. I love, and every, and to be honest, most of our, I think all of our rep is new. To everybody, so that's really great. So, and, and in a way, there's that that I th- I think that little bit of pressure is off. And not like you guys, you know, because everybody you can don't sing have along with decades your decades of recordings, of, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people are singing along with your guys' rep, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you've always got somebody they can compare you to, you know, who died forty years ago or whatever. You know, oh, it's, right. it's just it's just what people do, and I don't know if we have that. And that's our show for today. My deepest thanks to Javier Oviedo and the Classical Saxophone Project in New York City. Our theme music is composed by Thomas Barber. Check out more of his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Patreon, where a subscription to Keep Classical Weird will also get you access to the growing library of music appreciation videos called Casey Does Classical. Check it out at patreon.com slash keepclassicalweird. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird. <laughs>